Well, good morning and happy Thanksgiving. My name is Tim, so happy to be with you this morning. We're going to continue our series in the Lord's Prayer. And, um, you know, you may be thinking prayer, well, that's not something that's all that relevant in my life, but I'm going to say that I think most of us are people that pray. Um, Maybe I should qualify that. Given the right circumstances, most of us are people that pray. So when you're threatened, when you're pushed to the brink, when your back is against the wall, we say these real desperate, um, down-to-earth basic prayers, God, help me. God, do something. God, save me. And I've found that this isn't just common for people who profess faith in Jesus Christ, but it's also true of non-believers. And so in The Guardian, there's this headline that for many non-believers, prayer is an instinctive response to a crisis. That's what their poll found. Please, God, do something. And we don't only see this in crisis, we all see this in tragedies. And so in the recent uh, humbled bus accident, you, it wasn't uncommon at all to hear a news anchor or see a poster or on social media, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Given the right circumstances, most of us are people that pray. And so isn't it interesting that in the most important times in our life, we find ourselves given to prayer. Wouldn't it make sense then that in the every day of our life, we should enmesh prayer into what we do? Jesus thought so. And so as we look at his teaching this morning, we're going to see that Jesus thought the right time to pray, the right circumstance to pray was like today right now. And so if you want to take your Bibles, and if you're not already there in your electronic device or hard copy, go to Matthew chapter 6, and we're looking between verses 9 and 13, the Lord's Prayer. And in the middle of that, there's this phrase, give us this day our daily bread. Now, if you've been tracking with us in this series, um, and especially if you're a person who's really organized and sequential, you might be thinking, Hey, wait a minute. Uh, We've talked about our Father who is in heaven. We've talked about the phrase, hallowed be your name. We've talked about the phrase, your kingdom come. But we're skipping something here. We're skipping your will be done to get to give us this day our daily bread. And that's no accident. It's actually a good thing for us to see that the Lord's Prayer is not only good for, for reciting, it's not only good for going through it in order, but I believe that Jesus gave us a model whereby each phrase that he's given us can be something that we start from, something that we jump to, something that is our springboard in, in, in which we can pray as we, we respond to circumstances or we respond to how God is actually leading us how to pray. And this morning, we talk about give us this day our daily bread and we think about how today is Thanksgiving Sunday and how today at the end of the service being the first Sunday of the month here at Central Heights we celebrate communion this phrase that Jesus has given us is oh so appropriate give us this day our daily bread now in the first century uh, bread may have a different significance to them than it might have to you and I I mean You may not like bread. It may not be all that important to you. It may not be part of your staple diet. I mean, you might fill your diet with uh, other food groups, uh, like myself, like meat and meat and meat. I mean, what else is there, right? But in first century times, uh, 
You know, meat was really more for those who were wealthy. Meat was something that happened mostly on special occasions, on a festival or something like that. Your staple diet, your 90% of your meal plan was bread. And so bread became synonymous almost with life itself. So when we're talking about bread, we're talking about the most important thing. Like if you don't have bread, you're dead. Okay? So important to a person's life and their lifestyle. And in Eastern climate, you can imagine, um, it wouldn't make sense to buy bread for the week because it doesn't do well in, in a hot climate for that bread to be sitting around through the week. And, and I've experienced that myself personally. Uh, sometimes you overestimate how much bread you should leave out and put on the counter. And in the, in the hot days of summer, like a July, and this is a true story, you, you, you get your bread, you butter it, you put the jam on it, and then you bite into it, and you go, that doesn't quite taste right. And you flip it over and you see this blue stuff on your bread. Who put that blue stuff on your bread? And let me tell you, it might be great for yogurt, but mold is not a good flavor in bread. So you, you don't buy bread for the week. It's a daily thing. You get your bread daily. And so Jesus is, in, in, in sharing with us this phrase, he's teaching us, first of all, that we need to, number one, recognize our need. We need to recognize our deep need. Jesus is telling us to pray in a way that acknowledges that our most basic need and life itself will be found in God. And that this need is, is not a, like a once a week or once a month thing. This is, a, this is a need that is daily. That our most basic needs and life itself will be found in God. So, in, uh, in the New Testament scripture, we see that Jesus... As he comes to earth, um, he, he finds himself mingling with people. And it, as he's in relationship with people, he, you know, the, those that are the unqualified of society, the, the outcasts, the, what sometimes people call sinners, they find themselves in, in the company of Jesus and they're drawn, they're, 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 they're they feel welcomed by him and, and they're hanging out with him so that Jesus is criticized by those who are the religious leaders of society, those who are in power of society. Like, why is he hanging out with that, those lowlife? And, and Jesus interprets it. He says, he says, this is how he sees it. He says, those that are whole do not need a physician, but those that are sick. Those that are whole don't need a physician, but those that are sick. What Jesus was not saying was that the Pharisees and the rulers and that those in power, that they were, they, were, they were doing just fine, that they had no need for Jesus, that they were sufficient in themselves. No, what he was saying is that what you guys don't see is that you have a great need, but you don't see it. You think you're sufficient in yourselves. And sometimes I think about my own life and if I was to look at my schedule for the day and how I live that day or maybe even a, a series of days together and sometimes I think, oh God, how little I look to you for my needs in this week or in this day, Lord. How little I depended on you throughout the day. I need to be reminded that God, in God alone will be found my, my supply for my needs and life itself. We see this in the Old Testament with so many stories. Um, as, as people that, that 
either did or did not rely on God for the very basics of their existence. There's a story in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. Asa is a king, and um, he comes to, to power, and, and early in his reign, he is threatened by the Ethiopians. And Asa has an army, but it's outmatched by this coming Ethiopian army. Like they are num- outnumbering them two to one, and they have chariots, so they're, they're not only outmanned, but they're outpowered. And it says in 2 Chronicles 14, Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help. Help. Between the mighty and the weak, help us, O Lord our God. Asa sees God as the only way that they're going to make it through this impending crisis. And as the story goes on, God does help them and, and, and they're, they're free, they're victorious, they win. But later, at the end of Asa's reign, he's in a situation where once again they are being threatened by another nation. But this time, because he's got some wealth and, and, and uh, he takes from the treasury of the king's treasury, and instead of looking to God and, and, and looking to God as a first recourse for their help and for their deliverance and their safety, he turns to another nation and takes from his resources to offer to another nation as their way of help. And it's such a model as to how we can, how we can fall into that trap. We can experience one victory in our spiritual life where God has come through for us in a big way. But then as we go on in our life and maybe we accumulate more possessions and, and uh, more things, we have, you know, we have all the amenities that we could ever want or need. And so you know, we don't feel threatened at all by a lack of food or shelter, clothing, housing. And so it's just easy to get into that default mode where we can live life out of our own resources. And this is what happened to Asa. And Asa was chastised by the prophet who said, because you did this, the rest of your life you're going to experience wars. See, this is the, the thing that God wants us to know, is that he wants us to look towards him for the one that we can depend on. Chuck Smith in, in um, an article for Decision says, dependence on God is not something we muster in emergencies. It is the realization that apart from his will, we cannot presume even our next breath. Dependence sees God as being everything. Presumption sees him merely as a resource for dealing with crisis. I need to be reminded that I need God that I'm dependent upon him for my very breath, that all my needs in life itself will be found in God. And this is what is so beautiful about the Lord's Prayer. Because as I pray it, I'm reminded that my daily bread, my sufficiency, my resources, life itself will be found in God. And so as I look at uh, what Jesus is trying to teach, here, teach us here, he's trying to teach us to recognize our need, first of all. But secondly, that God wants to be the answer to our need. Like, this is amazing to me. Jesus has already told us in the beginning of this prayer that when we pray to God, we pray to him as Father. What an incredible privilege. We approach God as our Father And now he's indicating to us just what kind of father God is. That God, our father, wants to be 
bothered by you every day. Because he says, give us this day our daily bread. Now there's some conversation in the background about people who know the original language that Jesus might have been saying, give us tomorrow's bread as opposed to today's bread. But it, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's a one day difference. The reality is, is Jesus is telling us to depend every day upon God. And as you pray this prayer one day and then the next and then the next, again and again and again, God, give me what I need for today. And then tomorrow, God, give me what I need for today. And then tomorrow, God, give me what I need for today. We need to be reminded that Jesus himself, who's representing God, who is God in the flesh, is telling us to pray this way. We are not a bother to God. In fact, in prayer, this is where our needs meet God's provision. He's telling us, he's wanting us to ask him to meet us in our need with his provision because he doesn't just barge into our lives. This is a a prayer of relationship with God. And I'm understanding that today probably more than I ever had before. I mean, you knew this was coming. A a, a grandchild, grandfather story, right? You knew this was gonna come and there's gonna be more of them, right? You understand that? Those of you that are grandparents or if you're a parent, people always tell you, oh, the greatest thing in life is to be a grandparent. Never believed it, thought, how could it be better than parenting? Um, Wait till you get there, that's all I can say. And so I I just can't believe it when I'm I'm, um, with my grandchild and I'm holding him or I'm holding her, just the love that you feel and and how you, you know, I I spent a day a week and a half ago where I babysat, I don't know where we get that term, but I babysat my grandson. My kids reached the point where they trusted me enough for those three hours. And, uh, you know, Parts of it went good, parts of it not so good. Maybe it wasn't a great idea to take him to a public coffee shop. I mean, he's learning how to scream these days. So, you know, that was, uh, that was really interesting. But um, the next day, I just couldn't believe how much I missed him. And uh, then the day after that, like, if my kids had, had phoned me and said, hey, would you come look after him for another hour today? I mean, I would have I tried to find a way. And we need to see that as much love as we have for our kids or our family or our parents going the other way, God's love is infinitely greater. And he's telling us through his son Jesus that you're not bothering him if you are to come before him every day. Father, today, would you give me what I need for life today? Would you meet my needs? Would you give me life itself through your provision? We are not intruding on him. This is what he wants. What is so clear is God is not an absentee father. He's a father who is present. Some people's idea of God, we call it deism, how, how God created the world and he, it's like he wound up the clock and then he lets it run. This is not the God that Jesus is presenting to us. It's not like, okay, I've, I've given you what you need and now you, you just take care of things. 
Father deprivation is the greatest indicator today of, of crime. It's not race or poverty or even environment. It's, it's father deprivation. And God is not an absentee father who's depriving us of his presence. No, by telling us to pray to him daily, he's inviting us into a relationship that is ongoing and present. Talk to me and just tell me what your needs are. And I'll meet you there. Father, give us this day our daily bread. God wants to meet us in those places so that our needs meet his provision. So what does God want to provide for you? Well, in a very simple way, bread was the most basic physical need. God created a physical world. And when he created the physical world, we're told in Genesis chapter 1, he looked at it and he said, wow, this is good. And after he made mankind, he said, wow, this is really good. God values the physical world. It is not irrelevant to him. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, it, this is not just a spiritual prayer. This is a real physical prayer. God, you see my physical needs. You, you, you see where there's a lack. And I'm just looking to you today, God, that you would provide for my physical needs. We see when Jesus came and he, he walked on the physical earth in a physical body. What, what did he do? Well, well, there's occasions where, you know, he's with a, multiple, a multitude of people and they've been following him for, for a long part of the day and he looks at them and he says, man, they haven't eaten. Like that's a real concern for their physical well-being. And so what does Jesus do? Well, something that you and I can't do so easily. He, he, he multiplies the little bit of resources that we have. See, that's what God is able to do with your resources. He takes the little that we have and he multiplies it and everyone is fed. We see so often in the good news, the gospels of Jesus Christ, this, he walked on this physical earth. People that had physical needs, physical ailments, physical sicknesses, they come to Jesus and what does he do? He heals them physically. This, this is part of what it means. Give us this day our daily bread. God, you see my real, actual, physical, present moment needs. And Jesus is telling us to pray that way that God's provision can meet us in those places. But I'm so grateful that Jesus has more for us. So you may be in a place right now where, I mean, you have like tons of resources. Um, you are physically really wealthy. And I know that just about every person in this room now is thinking that I'm talking to someone else in the room, right? Everybody else is wealthy. Everybody who has a little bit more than you, they're the wealthy ones. But really, if we could pull ourselves up from where we are here in British Columbia and see the whole world and, and see how people are doing with, with what they have physically in this whole world, we would understand that really, we are the wealthy. We are the ones who have so much. And yet for so many of us, we still are not satisfied. And we think if we just had a little bit more, we might be satisfied. Jesus knows that the physical things will never completely satisfy us. And so thankfully, he came to give us so much more. Just before the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, so we're in chapters 5, 6, and 7, the prayers in chapter 6. But in chapter 4, there's the story of Jesus and 
His ministry among people is just about to begin, but before that happens, the Holy Spirit drives him into the desert where Jesus goes without food and for 40 days. And at the end of that time, it talks about how the devil comes and he comes to tempt Jesus and he says, turn these stones into bread. And no doubt Jesus was super hungry and, and could have. He, he had the ability to do that, but he, he says to Satan, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, yes, the physical bread is important, but there is a more important bread. There is a more important thing that will sustain us, that will feed us, that will satisfy us. And that is the word of God. And so as we begin to understand, as we begin to um, soak in and spend time in hearing from God through his written word that he's given to us, We find a place where God feeds our soul and feeds our spirit in ways that a physical bread can never do. And it goes beyond that as we read the Gospels and we see that Jesus himself referred to himself as the living bread, the manna, if you will, from heaven. How one of the gospel writers, John, called him the word. And we see that what God ultimately is saying when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're saying, God, give us you. I need you. And we know uh, from the testimony that we've been given of God's word that God gave us himself. Ultimately, God has given us all the provision we could ever think of in the person of Jesus Christ. God wants to be the answer to our every need, and that answer is found through Jesus, God's Son, how he has provided for us. Paul picks up on on this in Romans chapter 8 when he, he talks about, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All things. We need to recognize our need and know that God wants to be the answer to all our needs. And lastly this morning, let me say there's something else here in this prayer. Is that we have an opportunity here to recognize our needs as in plural, that the prayer Jesus gave us is a corporate prayer, let's remember that, with corporate concerns. As we pray this, our daily bread, our hearts are stretched beyond our own needs to include the needs of others, those around us, to include the needs of our city, to include the needs of our world. It's really interesting that people that study first century Judaism and what was going on in the, in the culture during Jesus' time in the first century, there was a prayer that existed among the Jews that they said a lot. It was called the Kaddish. And the Kaddish prayer um, went like this. Magnified and sanctified be his great name in the world he had created according to his will. May he establish his kingdom during your life and during your days and during the life of all the house of Israel speedily and near the future. So I don't know if you see it there, but it talks about God's name. It talks about God's will. It talks about God's kingdom. 
Scott McKnight, who's written the book called Jesus Creed, picks up on this. And he says, you can see, in the Kaddish of Judaism, there's a petition for God's glory. But in the Kaddish of Jesus, there's a petition for God's glory, but also a petition for others. In other words, part of the prayer is a love for God prayer, where he talks about out of our love for God, we pray for God's name to be hallowed. We pray for God's kingdom to come. We pray for God's will to be done. But it's also this love for others. And so we're praying that our daily bread would be provided for. We're praying that our sins would be forgiven. In our love for others, we're praying that together, corporately, we would not be uh, enter into temptation, but be delivered from evil. This is a prayer that Jesus taught us. And so the point is, as we draw near to God and as, we, as we're in a relationship with him and we see the provision that Jesus has given us personally, as he gave himself away for others by going to the cross and, and dying on a cross for us, a most brutal death, and having on himself poured out the wrath of God so that you and I could be justified in God's presence. And when Jesus would rise from the dead, how he brought a victory for all of us that we could enter into the victory of Jesus and live this life of father and adopted children of God forever and in bliss with him. As we see how Jesus made that possible through concern for others, giving himself away. And as we, we're in constant prayer with him day by day, we begin to take on the concerns, not just for ourselves, and they do matter, but we get, begin to take on the concerns for those around us. And we start to pray for the world. We start to pray for our city. We start to pray more for our brothers and sisters. Daryl Johnson, in his book, which we will refer to often, Words That Change Your World, said, can you imagine how different the world would be if we prayed the us with greater integrity? One of the scandals of our time is the huge disparity in basic life provisions in the body of Christ. Many disciples of Jesus have more than we can possibly use and worry about how to protect it. Many more disciples of Jesus wonder how to take care of the minimal needs of their families and yet, ironically, seek to share what they have. I've experienced that. So this morning, as we look at this passage, it, it sort of all comes together in the idea of thanksgiving and communion. See, in our financial giving, as, as God provides for us, and we begin to pray his prayer, and we have this concern for people beyond us, it's, it, it, it's also, we realize it's not just our words that we want to be praying, that we want to be part of God's answer to these prayers. And so we find ourselves participating financially with the wealth that we have, with the abundant resources that we have. We find ourselves participating in, in helping out others around us here in our city and out to the world. And we're going to have an opportunity to do that this morning. We don't want to be like the children of Israel who received God's manna from heaven, but wondered if they would have enough for the next day. And so they hoarded it. And it all went bad. We want to be those who are good stewards with God's abundant resources that he's given us and distribute so that we can, we can be part of God's answer when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And as we do that, we find that God gives us more so that we can do more of that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it, it talks about how as we, are, as we give, God gives us more seed to sow. 
And out of that comes this abundant harvest. And out of that comes more and more thanksgiving towards God. See how it all flows together when we recognize that God is the source of our needs. And I think about even Thanksgiving and the history of Thanksgiving, and I don't know if you're familiar at all about you know, the, the historical roots of, of this weekend and what we're celebrating. I mean, for many of you, you're just glad you have Monday off, right? I mean, let's be, let's be, let's be honest about it. But there's some amazing historical roots to this. And, you know, the Americans often claim uh, originality to this, like when the early settlers came and they landed at Pilgrim's Rock. And, and you read that story and you know there was lots of prayer that went on because the first few years, first few years were so difficult and many people died from malnutrition and, and, and they prayed. And out of that, a couple years later, that there was a bit of a harvest. And so, you know, there was a declaration that we need to be thankful. But previous to that, in, in like 1578, somewhere in there, there was an explorer from England into the, the Northwest Passage in Canada Martin Frobisher, and, and there's this indication that, you know, having gone through so many hardships and losing one of his ships, you know, there's this theme of people prayed, and, and then when they, when they uh, landed safely and, and things looked like they were going to work out, one of the, the uh, ministers that was commissioned to go with them uh, really pushed to have a time of thanksgiving and a meal around that. And so, you know, all our thanksgivings, they, they, they're, they're, they're rooted in the idea of prayer, and then the loop is closed as God provides the answer for those cries for needs. The loop is closed as, as people begin to give thanks to God. Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come before you this morning. How amazing, Lord, that you have revealed yourself to us as our dad. And Lord, that you are the kind of dad, Lord, that wants to be involved in our everyday life. We praise you for that. And Lord, this morning, we want to open our hearts to you and just say, God, we need you. We recognize our need. And we recognize that you are a, a, a God, a father, who provides for our needs, not necessarily in the way that we expect or want, Lord, but so often, so much better, so much more right, and so much more abundantly. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God of generosity and abundance, and we see that in the way that you gave us your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, this morning, may our hearts be stirred again to be people who daily look to you for our daily bread, for life itself, and Lord, may you find us as people in, in living that way, Lord, that we would be gracious, abundant in not only receiving your manifold grace, but being dispensers of it. We ask your Holy Spirit to help us to live and to think that way for your honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>